Welcome to the Coffee and Questions podcast. I am your host, Michelle Berman-Michael, and my mission with this podcast is simple, to help realtors and loan officers across the world tap into the value Instagram can have for them and their business. To me, organic business that comes to us is the name of the game. On this show, you're going to hear from myself, other experts across social media, and also others that are just like you selling real estate and doing loans and doing it at a high level on social media. What's up guys. Welcome back to another episode of the coffee and questions podcast. You guys know that I really like interviewing people that we can have some tough conversations with, um, in a good way, of course, but really being able to get into conversations around things that maybe not everybody wants to talk about, but needs to be talked about. So Uh, This woman that I get to interview has become a very fun friend of mine that I honestly feel like I could talk to you forever, both personally, professionally, you name it. Um, But I'm really honored to have her on here. Uh, None other than Miss Nicole Ruth. Welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. I love it so much. I, I feel like this has been a year in the making, honestly, since we first met. It was probably the easiest sales call I've ever had in my life getting to chat with you. Um, not just because of the act of what I do, but really just, you're such an incredible human and you have so much that you want to share with the world. And I think that that is really why I'm excited about this episode. So before we get into the weeds of what we're really going to be talking about, would you tell my audience just a little bit about who you are, how you got into the mortgage industry, where do you service specifically and, and just go down the rabbit hole. Go down. Uh, So I've been in the mortgage industry for 22 years. I started out in operations. I had come out of corporate America uh, and I had three little babies, right? So corporate America and three little babies, hard to to put those two together. So I call up a friend of mine. I said, hey, you've got to need some help. And he happened to be a loan officer at the time. So 22 years, a long time, seen a lot in this mortgage industry. Uh, but now I've got a team in Denver, Colorado, a team of 10, where we, the primary source of our business is in Colorado, but we actually are licensed in 36 states. I've got friends in the rest of the states that I'm not licensed in that I network with. And the idea being is that I work with a lot of investors. So I've gotten licensed in the states where my investors have gone um, because I believe in the power of real estate, which is why I've been in this industry for so long. And I continue to be in this industry because real estate, one purchase at a time can change the trajectory of an entire life. I know it did mine having gone from, uh, a period of limit and scarcity to abundance and opportunity and made that shift being raised by a single mom who worked her ass off uh, to get us, you know, just to the point to where we were. And now to be able to take that and go, not only am I good for the rest of my life, but now my kids are good from what I've learned by being in this industry. So that's why I just like keep gobbling up states, keep getting licensed because I'm like, you need to go to Ohio, you need to go to Kansas to make the numbers work. Let's go. Let's do the thing and let's keep uh, getting those properties into your portfolio. So that's what I'm doing Um, with all of that. Uh, I don't know what I am, number 18 or something in the country, number one in the state of Colorado, production-wise. This year will be a challenging year. Don't know where I'll land, but it doesn't matter. Right now, I'm just having a lot of fun helping a lot of people build wealth through real estate. I love it. And one of the things that you're doing is you're getting really loud on social. And and when I say loud, I want that to come across as a positive thing because that's exactly what it is. Um, and and those people who are listening to this, they're obviously avid listeners of my podcast. So they know that I'm going to say 
Instagram all day, every day, like be on the platform, show up, be who you are, be authentic to your voice. Um, I'm also one to never shy away from tough topics. Uh, personally, um, you know, I think that there are some do not engage type topics for sure. But when it comes to what we have to share as authentic human beings, I think that there's never anything that we shouldn't share. Um, you know, postpartum was one that I shared on social very heavily because I went through it really, really bad. Um, and what I will tell you is I've made an incredible amount of friends on social just from being willing to talk about that. So that's just one example. But for you specifically, there was a post that you recently put out that really spoke to the fact that you are so loud on social. So I want to dig into that. If you can give me the backstory leading up to the post and then tell the audience what that post was, why you felt like you needed to say what you said in the post. And then uh, I think we'll just dig out from there. Love it. So we do a whole lot of posting and social media presence around the power of real estate. I believe in the power of real estate. And there's a lot of people right now that want to, you know, you can call them the bubble boys, you can call them whatever you want to call them, that believe that our market is going to go into the toilet based on the fact that our home prices are too high based on affordability. And I, I can't disagree with them that our home prices are really high based on affordability. But that doesn't mean that the market has to bottom out or that it has to bust. You have to look at the entire perspective. Where are we on inventory and where are we on wage gains and where are we on desire and drive and demographics and all the things? So we go to town on that. I um, I will come out. I'm an avid Christian. I'll I'll praise my my father God, my papa, and my love for Jesus. I'll curse. I'm from New York. I can't help it. Um, you know, and I'll talk about my three kids. I'll talk about my back surgery was massive. This one is you know I've been really going to town on the fact that home ownership is the opportunity that 80% of Americans have to gain real wealth because they're not going to build the next rocket to the moon. They're not going to create the next app that's going to blow up like Facebook. And they're probably not going to become the next YouTube influencer, although we'd all love to be. Like, <laughs> right? So, but what they can do is they can buy a home at a high price and a high interest rate. And then they can buy the next one again at a high price and higher. And hopefully at some point they'll get to refinance them. But if you sit on the sidelines, the longer you sit in the sidelines in fear, the only people that lost money in 2008 were the people that had to sell. And there are people that hate when I say stuff like that because they're like, you know, that's being disrespectful. There's a lot of people that lost a lot of money. There's bankruptcies and foreclosures. And I get that. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm trying to say there are rational reasons why people had to sell in 2008, but you only lost if you had to sell. Otherwise, you have a home that's worth one and a half times what you bought it for. And the, mar the mortgage is probably paid for by now. So being so out there about the fact that now is the best time to buy. Three years ago was a better time to buy. 10 years ago was an even better time to buy. Hell, if I bought all my properties 20 years ago, I would be done and sitting on a beach right now. But I didn't. Where, what beach are we going to? <laughs> right. But I didn't. So I'm still buying today. I'm still buying today. And there's so many people that want to live in fear and they want to tell me that I'm, I'm abusing my position and I'm not serving my clients by telling them to buy now because they're going to lose their shirts. They're only going to lose their shirts if they have to sell. And I get that they might lose their job and they might have to sell at a discount and that's going to suck, but they've got bigger problems than the one that they bought a home. 
So coming out and and saying that despite the news or despite the negativity around it, we've gotten a lot of negativity on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram, saying, I'm only saying that because I'm a lender. I'm only saying that because I'm a professional in the real estate market. I'm trying to make money. I would literally do free deals all day long, as long as I could eat. I would do free deals all day long. If I could get more people into a home, knowing that, that they have the opportunity that I didn't know about until, you know, I was 40 before I figured out what real estate actually can do for you. And how, how much better can I get if I could tell you at 20 or 30, if I can help my kid buy five properties, that's it, five properties before he's age 35, by the time he's 65, he'll be worth over seven and a half million. He'll have $20,000 a month in income. He'll be set. And all he had to do was buy five homes, simple homes before he turned 35. I could give a shit if those five homes became worth half as much as they were when he bought them. And then they rebounded over the course of those 30 years. Doesn't matter. The rental income will take care of it. And real estate always goes up. It just takes time. Yeah. I think what's interesting about listening to you is I heard, and it wasn't you. I wish it was you when I was 24, but when I was 24, I, I bought my first house and I remember thinking, and I was sitting in my apartment and at the time I had just gotten out of a very bad relationship and I was sitting in my apartment and you know, like when you get the letter in the mail that says, Hey, your rent's going to go up and it's going to go up by this much, whatever. Um, oh, mind you, I had two dogs. So it was going to go up by even more, um, because you have dogs that is just crazy to me. But anyway, so I'm sitting in my apartment, I'm watching something on TV. I'm looking at this letter and I just called my mom completely out of the blue. And I was like, mom, I'm just going to buy a house. This is nuts. Like I have all this money in savings because I'm really good with my money. Like it doesn't make sense for me to just pay this extra money for this tiny little apartment that I don't want to be in anymore. Um, so I bought a house at 24 years old thinking this is fun, I think. Right. Like, right. and had I known had I known then what I know now, like I would have bought two or three at that time because I had the opportunity to do that. Um, but what, what I think is interesting about this is even like you think of five homes and you said this, you said five and you could, you said that they could just be any type of houses, right? That's interesting because I think a lot of people think when they have to buy a house or when they want to go buy a house for an investment property, that it needs to be this like beautiful house or it needs to be something that's rent worthy in order for it to work, right? And the answer to that, I honestly think is it doesn't need to be um, because people need a, somewhere to live. And if you can make it livable, it will rent. Um, that's what I've discovered in in my short time. Um, but I do want to talk about specifically in the postings that you have made, right? And I'm an avid follower of you. And if, if those of you guys who are listening are not following Nicole, please go find her. Um, because she's just really raw and real. And I so appreciate and respect that right now, uh, especially, um, but you're so consistent, right? You're showing up constantly. And my question to you is when it comes to sharing content, knowing you're getting all of this slack, right? Which I think is the word you use in this particular post that were, or flack, I think was the word you used. Um, how did you feel even posting that message saying, hey, I know I've been getting a lot of this, but I'm still going to show up anyway. I think I just, it was just a statement of fact. Like, I don't know that it made me feel empowered as much as it just was like, yeah, it's just not going to stop. Like that's, you can't impact how I feel. And I feel so passionate and so strong about this message. It, and it's not, the thing is, is it's not political. 
it's not against a demographic or person or it's it's about opening up a door to an opportunity and for somebody else to attack that kind of messaging which isn't confronting honestly i mean my messaging you know you're putting it out there it's like it's not even confronting it is simply like this is the opportunity that more people need to know about and and it just kills me and crushes me that more people don't. But until you come across someone who cares so deeply about real estate, you just don't have these conversations in school. You just don't have these conversations typically in the family sphere. So it's it's when you bounce into somebody and I'm supposed to be the person that bounces into as many people as possible because I have the passion to do it. So it's not even confronting yet. People want to come against that and slander me or come back after me. I'm like, what did I trip on that pissed you off so much? Like, I didn't even call you out to do anything, right? So it's fear. It's all it is. It's their fear is coming out. And it's the only way they know how to address it is to attack. How could I be so abusive of my power being in real estate that I would come out with a messaging that would bring others to spend money in this space? I'm like, it doesn't even... They're, they them spending money on a house doesn't even impact you. Why do you care? Which just well, trips me up. People just want to be keyboard, angry. They're keyboard warriors. And I think that that's something yeah. we should talk about because let's face it, right? We're sharing content on Instagram specifically being my platform of choice. But like you, my content is everywhere, right? It's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. It's all over the place. Um, and we have to just keep showing up, right? I really believe every day when I wake up in the morning and I have to go put a piece of content on, on the platform, that that is my duty. I was put on this planet to have a voice to share the way that I share it. And I'm so passionate about that. But in the process, especially as to your point, right, being number 18 in the country comes with some weight. Um, as our As our father, Jesus Christ would tell us, like it's a big burden, but our job is to let it go and let him carry it. So we got to keep showing up. Um, but there are a lot of keyboard warriors and it sucks. It hurts to feel them and it, and it doesn't feel good to get the email. It doesn't feel good to get the comment. Um, but not everybody is number 18 in the country, right? We might have somebody who is is new to this and wants to start sharing, but they might be afraid of what that feedback might be. So talk to that person from your perspective. Like, what would you say to that loan officer who's like, I know I need to be on social media, but I'm scared that somebody might come at me for whatever the reason might be. For the simplest of reasons, right? And you yeah. step into their story the moment that you post on social, right? Because they're they're reading it from their perspective, their story, and you step into that and, and they become offensive or defensive or whatever it is that they're feeling at that moment. You can't own that. I mean, that's really, I think, where I come from. I have to watch that and I can't own it. That's somebody else's baggage. In fact, I have this very good friend of mine that uses an example He because he's a real estate coach. And he talks about the fact that when you walk into the airport, they'll ask you if that baggage has been with you the whole time, right? Because they want to make sure that you're not bringing in. And so he says that, he goes, he goes, why are you carrying somebody else's baggage? He goes, go into the airport as minimalistic as possible. This is your, your suitcase, right? So don't carry somebody else's baggage. So you have to look at that comment um, and just go, I'm not even going to respond. That's not my baggage. I'm going to continue to put out content that makes sense. Now, if you're putting out political content, if you're putting out your, your faith or your decision to do something, you got to know that you're going to get more 
impact from that kind of feedback um, than, than I am. Or that if you're just proclaiming the value of homeownership. But I know a lot of loan officers right now are intimidated because the market is so volatile that they don't want to be the one that is irresponsible. And, and that's valid. They don't want to be the one that says, well, you should buy a home right now. I'm thinking I don't want to go out to market showing that I'm irresponsible, putting somebody into a home that they can't afford. I'm not talking about homes that you can afford. You need to be budget conscious. But if you don't get in, you're supporting somebody else's wealth. You're paying rent into somebody else's retirement. You're not building your own. So if you stand from the premise of full faith that what you're doing is actually lifting people up, then you have the responsibility to claim that on social media. Yeah, I mean, let's just be transparent and talk like math for a second, right? If you can afford, if you could have afforded a $500,000 house a few years ago, that same affordability is maybe 400,000 right now. But what I, I don't know that exactly because I'm not a loan officer. That's for everyone here listening. If you need it to call Nicole, cause that's not me. But what I will say is my husband and I, when we went to go buy a house, we thought that through, we thought like, what could we afford a couple of years ago? That's not the same as what it was last December when we knew we had to move um, or we were moving. Um, and so we made that decision of we're going to buy something that's a little bit cheaper, but at the same time, like, and maybe it's a little bit smaller, but maybe it's the temporary, it's not the forever house that we were really hoping we could get. And that's okay. That's still a really good problem to have, right? Because we're still affording real estate in a way where a few years from now, if we decide to move, when we have the equity back that we need and yada, yada, right, we can do that and we can go buy that forever home that we really want. So I think it comes to a piece of humility. And I think that that's what you're sharing. Like when I consume your content, that's how I feel. I feel like Nicole is trying to get me to understand that it might not be the perfect house for the rest of my life right now, but at least it's a house that I can afford. And it's the, it's, it's at least getting me into the market, right? And right now what, what needs to happen is people need to get into the market. So maybe it's 400 now, but maybe it's 600 in five years. And that's okay. And I think people need to realize that um, buying your forever home doesn't necessarily have to happen when you're 30 in order to say you've made it, you know? I, I could not agree with you more. And in fact, I have a lot of conversations with first-time home buyers right now that will, I'll tell them, you're going to go move from this rental or you're going to stay where you are, or you're going to move into a rental and why wouldn't you move into your own rental? Like, so if you're willing to move into a rental space, why wouldn't you buy that rental space? This isn't your forever home. So stop thinking about it as it was. You don't live there, not for more than a year. You only have to live there a year and then you can move again, right? So if you move into a location and you go, okay, this is just a rental. I'm just going to hang out here for a year build some equity in the opportunity. Now I'm looking at it like, is it close to transportation? Is it close to downtown or is it close to shopping? Is it close to areas where people coming in could easily get to their, to their job or their multiple jobs, right? So it changes everything about how you look at it when you think, I don't live here, or at least I don't a year from now. I live here only for the period of a year and I'm renting for myself. So thinking about it as your first investment, not your first forever home or not even your first home changes the whole dynamic. It gets you in the door. It is not even just a marketing message. It is a, it's like a life, like I have to talk about this, right? It comes like out that. of me. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, it's a game changer. It's just what it is. Well, you're you have to ignore the naysayers. 
the keyboard warriors are always going to show up. So I second everything that, that you're not just doing, but that we're talking about right now, right? Where you, it is your duty as someone who is helping someone achieve that art of home ownership to share the messages that really need to be heard. And sometimes as leaders in the industry, the messages are not always the funnest for people to hear. And that's what some people have to understand too, right? Like, and I, I read something, Jim Collins, Good to Great. I'm obsessed with that book. I've read it multiple times. The first time I ever read it, my husband and I went on a glamping trip where we had no cell service, like nothing. It was just like a self go be alone in the middle of the wilderness. And it was amazing. And that was probably where I should have read that book specifically. But um, one of the things that Jim Collins talks about is that when you own your space, when you decide to have a platform with a voice that comes with a responsibility and that also comes with what a lot of people like to use, or and I think the term is thrown around a little bit too lightly, but leadership, right? We are in a leadership position. So when you are that, it's not always the funnest thing in the world to be. <laughs> um, and we have to make, as leaders, we have to make decisions that are not always going to make everybody love us um, and vice versa, right? And that's okay. But your content, what everything we've been talking about for the last 10, 15 minutes tells me one more thing that I really want to make sure we don't glaze over, which is your content, it's not for you. And that's really important to understand because your message is not the same message every single day you post it, right? It's always different and it's always changing based off your experience in the market, based off your experience with talking to people on the phone, et cetera. Um, but it's not for you, right? And so talk to me a little bit about like how you feel when you're sharing content the way that you're sharing it and what what's your ultimate goal with that? So a lot of the content we share is just to be an eye opener, right? So there are people that will talk to more experienced investors than me, or that'll talk to veterans or first time home buyers or whatever your demographic is or whatever your, your client avatar is. Um, the avatar that I've put in front of myself is being that bridge for people who either don't see home ownership in their future or they just have the one singular roof over their head. So I have that client in front of me all the time that I'm trying to open up their opportunity, their eyes to something that they're not seeing currently. I mean, there was a, and, and we've talked about this offline, but there was one gentleman who showed me the power of real estate as more than a roof over my head because I was holding on to that one singular roof because of my background and where I came from. That one singular roof was stability for me. And somebody had to pry me out of that and into looking at real estate as an investment. And he only did that with that one deal. We only did one deal together. And then I haven't worked with them since, but how can I be that person for the avatar that I'm speaking to? So that's all I'm talking to. It's not for me. I own 24 doors and two commercial buildings. I get it. I don't need to convince me of the power of real estate, but how do I convince the friends of my 25-year-old son? How do I convince the 35-year-old who's still renting that there's opportunities beyond that's that specific scenario, right? Or how do I convince somebody that doesn't see, like, I don't want to be a landlord. And I, I'm like, I get it. You don't have to be a landlord, but what if we just did this, right? So it's opening up opportunities where people have this preconceived notion that owning real estate comes with all of these other responsibilities. And it's, it's a responsible decision that you have to make, but it's much more simpler than people want to make it. 
seem. So that's who I'm constantly talking to. It's not me, but I've got to continue to open the door. And it, we just try to change our message slightly on any, any given day or take, I do a lot of the taking the current market updates or taking what's happening in the market and the fear that's being impressed on people and try to strip that fear and say where we're going and here's where the market's going and the economy's going and try to open up slivers of, okay, that makes sense to me. Okay, I can see where that's going. If I can get in in a different way that we're positioning it on a given day, then it's working. Well, you know what I feel when I look at your content, and I don't think I've ever said this to you, but it just like my light bulb just really came off or came on while we were talking and listening to you talk. But you have done what I what I would describe as replacing hope for a lot of people with confidence, um, and that's a big shift personally for people to go from, well, I hope someday that, you know, my husband and I can build a house, or I hope someday that, you know, I can have an Airbnb property to no, this is super realistic and here's how, right. And I think that confidence is what we need right now. I think confidence in uh, not just ourselves personally, I think that that's a forever thing, but I think confidence in making these moves uh, for ourselves financially too. Um, now I don't think money is everything. And, and that's just me personally. Like I didn't, I, I wasn't raised that way where, like, you know, materialistic things make us happy. But I can tell you that money certainly changes how you move forward in life. It changes how you perceive things. It can certainly change how you're able to provide for those that come after you. And, and that's a big deal when you think about it that way. Um, and so I don't know how you feel about replacing hope with confidence, but that's how I feel when I consume what you put out. I love that. I've never heard that. And I've never thought about that, but I do love that. Cause I, I tell uh, my clients, I tell my team all this time, all the time that you can't build a future on hope. You can't build a business plan on hope uh, that you have to have kind of a plan in place and a vision. And you start creating strategy behind it. Interestingly enough, just this morning, I met with my financial planner. Um, and, and I have to admit, like I, I wake up daily afraid. Like I, that's just one of the things having come from um, so little part of me is never afraid to go back to that. But the other part of me is I will never have enough to be stable. And so it's not a grind after making more money. It's a grind after creating stability and security. And so even with 24 doors and two commercial buildings, I question, is it enough? Is it, am I okay? Is, you know, are we okay? Cause I'm the primary breadwinner. My husband works on the team and, it's this, it's this constant internal voice that I have to battle. But anyway, so we met with our financial planner and, you know, we laid everything out in the real estate properties that we have. And he goes, Nicole, I need you to hear this. He goes, you're okay. He goes, you got this. Like, here's where the rest of your life goes from here. And honestly, I could not have gotten there because I'm not, I, no offense, I'm pretty damn smart, but I'm not going to create the next app. I'm just not. I'm not going to create the Facebook. Fuck, I hate AI. I hate everything about it. I hate computer technology. Like if I could do everything on a yellow pad, I really would. Girl, I still have a daily planner. This is hilarious. Can we please take a moment and, and pause for the love of handwriting? Because I still have a daily planner. And I just texted my COO, Tiffany, this morning. And I said, girl, I got to order my 2024 planner. And she was like, Michelle, we use Google Calendar. We have all of everything on there. Like you really don't. You have notebooks for that. And I was like, nope, I need a planner. I need to write it. I need to see what day it's on. My Monday routine is I wake up every Monday morning. I make my husband coffee. I sit on my couch and I put every sales call, every meeting, every Zoom, every everything in my calendar, daily planner, right? With a pen 
for the entire week. Um, and that is never going away. So what, and I, I just can't ever fathom not doing that. And what's funny is my parents are both in the, in the real estate slash financial space. My dad was a bankruptcy lawyer for almost 40 years. So understands that. And even him still, he's like, do you know what carbon copy is, Michelle? I was like, yeah, dad, I do. Isn't that good? Isn't that good that I still know what that is? Um, because a lot of people don't, right? So just a, a moment for our planner, our planner handwriting people who are listening to this. But um, I I think that what's important to, to make sure that you know, as a content creator from someone who teaches people how to produce content is your voice is super clear, right? Like it's out there and it's very crystal clear to a consumer. Now, mind you, I think I'm a little bit of a different caliber of a consumer, but at the same time, like a consumer nonetheless, And I just want other people to feel like they can learn from you in this sense and feel like they can lean into the confidence aspect that I'm talking about, because even you this morning, I mean, you just said it to us, you know, your financial planner replaced this hope of please, I hope I'm okay with Nicole, you're 100% okay, like you got this, like confidence is sexy. And I think that that's an important thing, not just for someone to see from you when they're consuming your content but also for you as the producer of the content to say, well, I hope if I put this out that nobody gets offended, well, I'm going to put it out anyway, because I'm confident that this is a message that needs to be heard. Yeah. And I don't think you can get rattled by the comments or even really the number of views and the number of subscribers. Like that's the kind of stuff that I know when you're initially putting out content, you want to tiptoe. You want to be careful not to offend anybody. You want to make sure it's the right messaging. You want to stay positive. But doesn't and then you want to get, can we pause you? Uh-huh. Because doesn't that paralyze you? Like if you do that too much, I mean, how many people do you talk to Nicole that call you and are like, Nicole, you're killing it on YouTube. You're killing it on Instagram. You're like everywhere. Like, how do you do that? I just keep putting it out. <laughs> Literally. And I'm just me. And it's just, uh, you have, you do. I love the, I love the confidence. I, all your C words, consuming content, confidence. You're just, you're just rolling it out today. No, this is, I really do think that if you believe in something, anything, and you come to the market with that level of confidence, you will find your tribe. They will find you. And it can be a hundred people that consumes your content every day. It could be a thousand. It could be a hundred thousand. I don't necessarily, especially as a lender, we get caught up in that. Like we want to be, well, we're not a YouTube star or we don't have a hundred thousand. I'm like, I'm a lender. How many deals can I do in a year? How many people actually have to consume the content in order for me to, to be, in order for me to impact lives? It's not even about how much money I'm making or what my ranking is, but can I be that person that changes the trajectory of a thousand lives, a hundred thousand lives? Can I do that over my professional lifespan? And can I do it one, one loan, one inspiration, one home at a time? And you can, and you, you have to just do it. They have to relate to you. They have to know that you're human and that you're like them. And then the rest of the people can go take a hike. I really don't care. I'm so with you. I'm exhausted trying to keep up with the people that want to be mad about it because it's it's just not worth it, right? And um, I recently was on stage uh, at a conference and I was on a panel with a whole bunch of other dudes who are, and mind you, I was the only female on the panel, which was perfectly fine. Um, I honestly preferred it that way in this case, but the conversation was around AI, which is interesting because you were, you were just mentioning your dislike of it, right? I'm 100% with you. I was on a panel with a bunch of guys 
who have created all of these processes and systems around making social media easier with this AI tool. Um, you know, not the chat GPTs of the world, but more like on the messaging side, being able to answer messages for you, being able to do all these things sort of on the back end. Um, chat GPT was part of the conversation, but I, I wore a shirt and I, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, Nicole, but I, I went on Amazon before this speaking gig because I knew I was going to be on a panel with a bunch of dudes and I knew what the topic was. Um, so I bought a shirt that said be different, but it was backwards. So the only way that someone could have read it is if, you know, they were looking at me head on, which is obviously the point. Um, so what was interesting about it is when it came to me, they asked me the question, the, the MC who was moderating our panel was like, Michelle, I know you're, you're an adamant anti AI person. How does that make you feel right? Like, or how can, like, can you, he said, how does that make you feel? And then he asked me to describe why. Right. And so I had to go into this whole thing as to why, but I don't want to get into that piece. What I do want to get into was I had to willingly state that I was against a lot of other people that had been paid to be on the stage alongside me. Right. And not a lot of people would do that. And I think especially women in the industry, we tend to shy away from standing in a place of power or leadership um, and we, we naturally want to cower down and just be like, no, what, what they said. Well, no, not what they said, because I don't agree with that. And I think that in your position, what we're talking about here when it comes to content is you did the same thing. Like you and I are the same when it comes to this, Nicole, like, and I love that. Like, I'm so proud of you for who you are, who your message is for. Um, and I think if there's one thing I can say to you again, replace hope with confidence because hell girl, like it's, it's so apparent. Um, and I, I have a really unique question for you. If you're okay with it, my brain just came to this. Can you talk to, imagine you're talking to a young female loan officer who it's, she's been in the business for like five years, right? So she's been in it when it was really, really good a couple of years ago. And she's been in it right now. And she's like, oh man, I got to be careful with what I put out on social. Can you talk to her? You know, I would tell her that right now, don't get bummed by the lack of the loans or lack of volume or the lack of money or the negativity. Um, I would say, find your avatar, find who it is that you're meant to serve, right? Because we're all meant to serve someone. We're put at least a faith-based I was put on this planet to do a thing. And I found that thing, luckily, before I got too old to actually do something about it. But I found that thing and I actually got out of mortgage lending for a year and I came back because I felt like it was pulling me back. Conversations were pulling me back. And as I started to, to weave into this whole investing paradigm, and not all lenders have to go there, right? I mean, lenders could just be working. I'm just working with veterans. I'm just working first-time homebuyers. I'm just, whatever that is. Find your avatar, that person, and really lean in and know what kind of pain they're in right now. Because as much as we might be feeling it a little bit deeper in the real estate industry, because we've been in this since March of 2022, the rest of the world is starting to go through it. We know that consumer confidence is coming down. We know consumer spending is coming down. We know that that um, debt is going through the roof. We know all those things are happening. As the rest of the world comes around and is feeling this pain. I don't want to say the rest of the world. There's a lot more pain going on right now. But as we as Americans are, are trying to work through whatever this recession is that's in front of us, I would say that as a loan officer who's been in this business five years, don't just do a job. 
don't just do a job, lean in and have a purpose, right? Figure out who that avatar is and what kind of lives you're supposed to change and go all in on changing those lives. And the rest of everything starts to fade away because now you're going to have a tribe that needs to hear that message. And there are so many people that just need to hear a positive message right now. I agree 100%. And I think my next question, my follow-up to that is, so, okay, I know who my I know who my person is. I know exactly what I was put on this planet to do and to serve and who my people are that in my tribe. But Nicole, how? How do I go find them? I'd start talking their language. What are they afraid of? So, there's all kinds of things I'm sure that you couldn't tell me better than I would know. The hashtags and the finding the I don't even I'm not going to go there. I I simply just speak the truth about what one piece of real estate can do for you in changing the entire trajectory of your life. You've got to find that what is that one truth that that person needs to hear, given the fear that they're feeling right now in this market. Whatever that person is, lean in that person, find that person. Who is that person that you can go talk to and go, what are you feeling in this market? What are you afraid of in this market? Why is real estate even a topic of conversation for you? And then find out what they need to hear and then lean all in on that content. Yeah, I would tell to piggyback off of that. And I, was, and I was purposely getting that question to you because I really wanted your answer that way. Um, but here's what I will tell you to that same loan officer who's been in the business for five years. Listen to what Nicole's talking about, like build your avatar, know exactly who you're supposed to serve, get really gritty on it, right? Like get in the weeds, go interview them. Hell, go take them out to coffee, go out to dinner with them, let them talk, right? There's so much that you can learn about that or about those types of people, right, that you want to serve just by letting them talk to you. Um, and I think that where I come in, right, with Beyond the Method and what we teach is, if you know who they are, and if you really understand what their issues are, then your only next step, your only job is to go find them, go talk to as many of them as humanly possible, right? So how can you do that? First and foremost, you have to be on the platform, right? Um, I am an Instagram person. Instagram will always be my platform of choice. That will always be where I put 99% of my time. Um, Nicole, you're obviously killing it on YouTube and TikTok and all these other places and, and you're everywhere really. Um, but what matters is you have to have a message shareable, right? Or that is shareable or worthy of sharing in general. Um, and then you have to be able to have one-to-one -one conversations. And I think that that's the biggest issue. Uh, and I know you answer your own messages because I message you all the time, but you have to be willing right now, especially to the loan officer who's been in the business five years and figuring this out, you have got to be willing to have one-to-one -one conversations every single day. And you have got to be okay with the time that that takes um, because it will not always be that way, right? And as someone, I just celebrated nine years in business. I can tell you at five years, I was doing that constantly all day, every day, just to even get my name out. Am I doing that today? Nope right? Because I've gotten to a place where I don't have to necessarily, right? Um, but Nicole, I want to end here and, and ask you this question of like, what does that look like for you on the messaging side? Because you are in your DMs and I know it. So where do you make time to not just have this message that you're sharing so well, but also to have conversations that you need to have in your messenger, in messenger, right? Whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or wherever, on a daily basis. 
So I do have two people on my marketing team so who are in my DMs a lot more than me. Um, I spot my people, so I do answer your DMs. Yeah. Um, but they they do help um, by having a team and having the resources and the years in the business. Uh, but I didn't have a marketing person for a long time, not even one. You know, Now we're blessed with having two. Um, but having that access and having support in that. But I, I agree with you because what I do is we have a lot of strategy sessions in the office. I have a lot of clients that come in and tell me I need to re I need to rethink this. I need to do something different. We have four kids and we don't have a retirement plan. We're 70 years old and we only have X amount of money saved, right? So I'm having those conversations all the time. I can reiterate those conversations back on social. So I agree with you. My one-on-ones might not always be on social. I am checking uh, DMs. Or mostly, I'm mostly on Facebook. So that's where I am. Um, I will tell you that my marketing team is on Instagram more and on, on YouTube more. My my age, I am on Facebook. Oh, stop it. You're 21. Yeah, <laughs> 21. It's, I, I take it. I love it. Um, but I will tell you that the one-on-one is what makes the content rich. And the one-on-one is what makes it relatable. And I'm constantly having the one-on-ones. I'm doing it via strategy sessions in the office. And then we relate that to social. Yeah. And where I think that becomes so powerful is can you move a conversation from real life and allow your social to back it up, right? And and we don't have time for that on this episode, but I know we're going to do another one just because you're so much fun to talk to, but um there's, there's a method to the madness when you then couple paid advertising with this, right? Um, where there's a lot of people who are doing this backwards. Um, and I personally am a huge believer of what is your organic presence look like? Is it really dialed in? Is it the message you really want to share? Are you having one-to-one conversations in your messages, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, right? And can we then amplify that? right? Because if we then amplify that, what are what are those people getting when they find a Facebook ad from us? What are they getting when they see a YouTube ad from us? They're seeing all of this credible content and all of this content that speaks to who we really want to be talking to. Um, and it's not just consistent, but it is freaking good, right? So it's this combination of both things and it's not one or the other. Um, I think that that's important for people to hear too. It's not paid advertising or organic. It's not, it doesn't mean, doesn't need to be one or the other. It can be very much. So can be both. Um, and I also don't want to say that, you know, if you're doing paid first and your organic sucks, that's not a bad thing. It's okay. Like there's ways to work around that. But, um, Nicole, I want to, I want to end our segment by asking you, I know you have something really big coming up that people in the Colorado area or really anywhere from across the country, if you want to come, people can come. So will you share what that is with us. And then also let us know how can someone get connected to you and have a more one-to-one conversation with you? I would love that. Yeah. So we've got the next big thing. So the website is actually the next big thing, Colorado.com. And we do have, we have people flying in from Utah for this. We have speakers from across the country. Um, we have a real estate futurist coming. We have, um, Oh my gosh, Phil Phil M. Jones is coming and he wrote the book, What to Say. So we've got some phenomenal speakers hyper-focusing on real estate. We've got lenders that come. We have real estate agents that come. This is on February 1st, 2024. And it is, this is a third annual high-charged, high-energy 
directed towards having your best year yet kind of content. So what is a real estate agent? What does a lender need to know about what's happening in the market? What's the technology that's changing? What's the messaging that's changing? And how do you dial in, especially given the fact that we know interest rates are slowly coming down, but if they're going to take all next year to get there and we're going to see a pop of inventory, not until the second half of the year, what am I doing right away, right out of the gate? That's going to make sure that I have the best year yet. So we're inviting everyone to come join us at the next big thing. And if you want to come find me, I'm all over the the socials. Nicole Ruth, it's R-U-E-T-H. Just Google that. But our website's The Ruth Team, uh, and it'll tag you into everything. I love it. Nicole, you are amazing. What an honor it was to get to spend this time with you. For those of you guys who are listening to this, I would love it if you could leave us a review. Let us know how much you love Nicole. And if you have somebody else that you think I need to interview, now's the time. Listen to this, send me an email. You know how to get me, DM me on Instagram. But I would love to know who our audience wants me to interview next. But Nicole, thank you so much for being here with me. And guys, we will see you in the next episode of the Coffee and Questions podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go follow my guests on social media. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review wherever you consume this content.